0: Here at Doxito Hatfield, we are a family on mission. Make sure to get connected by joining us at one of our Sunday services. We hope you enjoy today's message. Great stuff. So I want to tell you this morning about a product that according to the research from some of the greatest universities in our world will absolutely change Your life. Do you want to hear about that product this morning? Can I tell you about it? So here are some of the awesome things this product will bring into your life. So number one, it'll provide 60% increase in back pain and spinal problems. Uh, It'll deliver lasting nerve damage that will lead to constant headaches and migraines. Uh, It'll cause dramatic increase in your levels of stress and anxiety and depression. Uh, It'll severely limit your ability to lose weight and it'll cause you to fall below the global average for cardiovascular fitness. It'll cause great sleep deprivation, greater than drinking a double espresso just before bedtime. It'll destroy your attention span, and uh, it'll drain your ability to perform tasks with focus and with diligence. Um, It'll make you much more, substantially more antisocial, selfish, and isolated, and one more. So great, it'll deliver without fail 10 times the number of bacteria than what's found on a toilet seat. Now, I know you're saying, Joe, don't go on. Please, like, sell me this. Tell me what it is. I'm foaming at the mouth to buy this incredible product, right? That's what you're saying. I know that. I can see it in your eyes. The problem is, it's not Herbalife. That's close, though. (laughs) Sorry to all the Herbalife people. The problem is, I can't sell you this product because you own this product. The fact is, you actually have been sensing, isn't it? When you sit down just now, you can't wait. You just had to get back to that product as soon as possible. What? Because this humble product of ours is the good old smartphone. Yes, it's true. See, we each probably already own one. And we each love it. And guess what? We hate it. Isn't it true? We love it, but we hate it. And we can't live without it. But even if we know all of this, Why then do we keep going back to it? Why do we stick with something that we know is so detrimental to us? And the reason is because there are often things in life where we know this is not good for me. This is not where I want to be. This is not ideal for me, but I keep going back to it. In fact, it feels like that thing almost guides me in my life. And so I want to read this. Maybe this just speaks to your soul this morning. Psalm 26 verse 2. It says, test me, O Lord, and try me, examine my heart and my mind. Take stock with me. Why? For your faithful love guides me, and I live by your truth. Guys, can I just say that I think 2020 has hammered many of us. It has been brutal for many of us. And the reality is that in a sense, it has led us down certain paths and rhythms and choices that if we say we want them, we would say, no, I don't want them. And I see the effect of them in my life, but I don't know how to get out of them. I don't know how not to be connected to them. And that's why in this season, if you were here last week, we spoke about at Vision Sunday, this next season of our church, that we believe God is calling us as we build up to replant in March of 2021, that we need to go corporately through a season of reflecting, of realigning, of reconnecting, of rebuilding, and then replanting. And so we said we need to start this journey at a place of reflection, God, will you come and help us reflect through what happened this year? And we're going to start that today with practical reflection. And we're starting it in the series that we're calling Taking Stock. David here says, Lord, try me, examine my heart, help me take stock. Why? Because I don't want to be led by the nose, by anything but you. I want your faithful love to guide me. When I emerge from this year, I want your truth to be the thing that I live by. So we're going to do four weeks of practical reflection, relational habits, our finances, things like that. And then we're going to go into the book of Psalms for the rest of the year into the early next year in some emotional and relational and spiritual reflection. Happiness, you with me? So today is very practical. We're not preaching through a book, but I'm going to pepper it just with scriptures and questions that you need to go and reflect about. And so very simply, three things that I think we need to hear this year in the context of 2020 and the first Is this God's greatest concern? Is what? Is who we are becoming. God's greatest concern, just listen to that again, is who we are becoming. We often think God's greatest concern is what we do and what we have and what we engage in, and I think those things have merit, but I think God's greatest concern, and we need to hear that in 2020, is who we are becoming. So can I tell you something that you have not heard probably in a long while, but you need to hear it very often if we think about this year. You know what that is? It's that God the Father loves you, and He loves you dearly, and He wants the very best for you. God the Father loves you, and He wants the very best for you. But the thing is, we often equate that to things. God, if you want the best for me, then I will need this, and I have to have this, and I need to be married to that, and I need to have this by my side, and I need to live in that. So yes, God, I want the best for me, but I want to tell you, God is much more concerned with the who of your life than the what of your life. Who are you becoming? God loves you as a father, and he wants the very best for you. So let me read to you a couple of scriptures that speak to this idea that God wants to see you becoming who he's made you to be. Romans eight twenty nine. Paul says, For those that he foreknew as he speaks about our salvation, he also predestined to what? To be conformed, to be shaped. What? Into the image of his son, to become like Jesus, the who of your life. Philippians 1:6. Say amen if you are with me on this one. I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Amen? He says, he who started a good work in you will bring it to completion. Galatians 5.22. It says, the fruit of the Spirit. When God comes to make His very home in us, His Spirit comes to inhabit us we, we might think, you know, it's, it's a do this, do that. It's a, it's a duck here and jump there and, and, and don't go there and do... No, no, no. What is it? It says when the Spirit inhabits us, what happens? We find love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God is infinitely more concerned of the who that I am becoming than the what of my life. Now, if that's true then I have to be in a place where I am absolutely convinced of the good character of God. If God then is not good, then it, there is no reason to trust Him. There's no reason to allow Him to run and to guide and to feed into my life. And I think, you know, the Bible says that God is, He's a warrior. He's a creator. He's a shield. He's a mountain. He's a mountain. He's all of those things, but I think the great revelation that came when Jesus, God in person, came to this earth, the great revelation about who God is, is when he told us that God is a father. God is your father. He's the perfect, eternal father. And that means that when I think about who I am becoming, I can lean fully into with my weight of my life. I can lean into the vision and the promises of God, my Father. He wants the very best for me. I do not know what I need. Do you realize that? Some of us are a bit older. We would say, yeah, okay, maybe young people don't know. Okay, so at five years old, we've got kids, you know, six, eight, and we've got a small one at four. And I promise you, let's say Ben, he just turned six now. So do you think Ben knows what he needs in life? If we gave him an unlimited account, just money and resources and, you know, just run your life, we would say, no, that's stupid. You don't give a five-year-old, you know, all the resources to do what he wants, right? Okay, but what about a 15-year-old? Okay, what about a 25-year-old? I'm 32. Don't give my 25-year-old what he wants. Okay, what about a 35-year-old? You 45-year-olds, what do you think? At 35, Should we have given you everything that you wanted? Okay, 55-year-olds. Some of us that are a bit older, should you have gotten everything you wanted at 55? Now, I have to say, if God is truly a good father, I can lean fully into his heart for me. He knows what's best for you. You know, many years ago, I was at this bachelor's weekend and uh, this, this one guy, he was, the, he was kind of the ringleader, and we were on this farm, and they had this massive cliff face next to this dam. And he was a guy who loved to do abseiling, so he brought this whole abseiling kit and set it up, kind of impromptu on this cliff face. And I was the first guy that had to now go down this abseil kind of contraption. And it's not like some company that's put it up that's like a 10-year track record. It's just my friend that I, you know, I've had good conversations with him. And he's just picked this thing into the cliff face. And now I need to go down it. And it's, it's definitely death if it doesn't work. And so I want to kind of hug. As, I'm, as I walk backwards, I want to almost like sail with my body down the cliff face. And he says this to me. He says, no, Joe, you have to lean fully with your weight into it if you want to survive you have to lean your weight fully into it i want to tell some of us this morning you will have to at the end of this year if you haven't realized it yet you don't know what you need you don't know what's best for you you have to come to a place where you see god the father as so good that you can fully lean your life and your weight into him You know, last night, Mia, our youngest, she's four, she was kind of peddling with a little bike there in the basement of our townhouse complex, and at one point she falls hard. You just hear that squeal all throughout our complex, and I run out to her, and you know what happens? I don't come to her and say, you stupid child, why did you do this? You're an idiot. You're not meant to do these kinds of things. Never do this again, because you're useless. You know what? You don't do that. What did I do? I just picked her up, I held her, and I said, it's okay, and you are going to do great. Try again. Go for it again. I'm with you. And she goes. My son just last night, Benjamin, he got into a bit of an argy-bargy with his mom. And at one stage, he's a very like, you know, soft guy, but in his heart. But usually if you push him too far, he'll explode a bit. And at one moment, I just hear him screaming at my wife. Well, then don't talk to me anymore. Just, and I'm like, yo. So I go out, and we, we have at it. And after disciplining him, you know what I do? I just hold him, and I say, you know what, Ben? I know who you are. I know who God has made you to be. You are a son that loves your mom. You are a boy that, that loves to speak with respect and tenderness to your mom. And when I said that, he just cried, and I just held him. Why? Because I am just a father. I'm a fallible human being. I'm not perfect, but I know that I need to affirm my children in their identity. I need to say to them, I'm with you. When you fall, get up and go again. I know who you are. Now, think about God, our Father, and think about the fact that, let's be honest, some of us, many of us, all of us, probably in 2020, we fall flat on our faces, We fell flat on our faces. We screamed at our moms a couple of times this year. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. And today we need to hear. It's not that you will figure out. Some of us literally screamed at our moms, I can see. Um, But we need to hear today that it's not in your own strength and wisdom and heart that you will find the answers. You need to lean into the Father because he is concerned about who you are becoming and he knows best and he loves you and he's gonna pick you up and say, come my boy, let's go again. We said last week for this church, oh my friend, it's not the end. It is only just beginning. I wanna say to you, if you fell on your face this year, it's not over. The Father is saying, get up, I know who you are. You are my son in Jesus Christ. You are my beloved. I'm well pleased in you now. Come, my boy, let's go again. You need to lean into the Father's heart. Psalm 90 verse 12 says this. Teach us, God, to number our days carefully, to take stock of where we are. Why? Is it so that I would do this and do that, do this and do that? Do... That's what we think. Christianity is about. No, he says, help me take stock, God. Why? So that I may develop wisdom in my heart. God doesn't just want simply obedient people. He wants wise people. I follow God because I'm becoming like God. So I want to ask you this question today that you need to go and ponder about. Is when you look at 2020 and the year that's transpired, who is that person that you started becoming? If you look at the trajectory of 2020 with some of its challenges and the decisions you made and some of the paths you went down, who is that person that you started becoming? You know, C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, he's got this beautiful section where he says, when you become a Christian, when you put your weight of trust and faith in Jesus, you hand over the reins of your life to Jesus as Savior and King. He says, you need to imagine your life as a house, as a living house. And God comes to make his abode in that house. He's taken ownership of that house. That is your life. And initially, we love it because he comes in and he paints the walls and he fixes the plumbing. And he he does a bit of just repair work. And it's like, oh, thank you, God, because I was a mess. I was broken. Thank you for fixing up my house. And we sprinkle a bit of Jesus over our life. But then suddenly... You realize, wait, what is he doing now? Now he's starting to knock down walls and he's starting to put in the whole new wings of this house and he's starting to tear down some of the things that I felt were sacred and it hurts. God, why are you doing this? This was who I used to be. This is what I held on to. And now you've got this whole thing that you're doing. And you know what? This is what C.S. Lewis says at the end. He said, it's because you thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage. But he says, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. I can trust that in 2020, I started going down some paths. Can we just be honest today with one another? We made some choices. We got into some rhythms that end in a place that we do not want to be in. That's not who I want to be, God. This is not who you have made me to be. This is not the vision that the Holy Spirit has over my life. And I can say today, God, I want to give the full house that is my life to you because I don't just want to be a little cottage for Jesus, just a Sunday Christian, just you know, just a little bit of religion sprinkled into my life. I want to be the palace that you have made me to be. God, take everything of my life or don't take anything. Be the king of all of it or none of it, but I want to trust in you because you are concerned for who I am becoming. But the second thing I think all of us need to hear today. God is concerned for who we are becoming. The who much more than the what. But secondly is this. We become, friends, this is just the truth. We become what we repeatedly do. No amens for that one. It's not guilt, obviously, or condemnation. It's just conviction sitting in, Right? We become what we repeatedly do. So James Clear, he's probably the the expert in our modern world on habit forming. He says this. He says, what you repeatedly do ultimately forms the person you are. Your life today is essentially the sum of your habits. We become what we repeatedly do. You know, Jesus whether you believe in him as son of God or you just think he was a good man, there is no doubt that he is the most influential person to ever walk the face of the earth. And I believe he was not just a good teacher. I do not believe that he was simply a man of miracles. I believe that he was God in person, come to show us the heart and the love and the truth and the grace of God, come to break into our brokenness and our sin and our rebellion. But you know that every single person, even the historians, the secular historians who write about him, have to acknowledge there was something different about this man. And I want to show you that it was the habits of the life of Jesus that formed him into who he was. So we see this all throughout the ministry of Jesus, that he would regularly go by himself, and he would have these moments of silence and stillness and solitude. Why? To be with his father. And this was all throughout, whether it was preparing for a major task, Luke chapter 4, whether it was recharging after incredibly difficult work, Mark chapter 6, whether it's working through grief in his own heart, Matthew 14, whether it's making an important decision, Luke 6, or in times of distress, Luke 22, Jesus went to be with his father. It was a habit, a rhythm of his life. And that's why he was as different as he was. He lived from the perspective of the Father. Now, I want to tell you something that's very counterintuitive, and you're not going to like it, but it's the truth. Can I tell you that 2020 has been a massive blessing to all of us? Amen? You don't know why you're saying amen, but let me tell you why. It's because 2020, for most of us, showed us, especially in the lockdown, It showed us the extent of the path of where we will end up in if we continue down the rhythms that we at times chose. Isn't that true? The kind of person at times I was becoming during this year, I realized With horror in my eyes, this is not where I want to go. This is not who I want to be. But I got a glimpse in the grace of God. I got a foretaste of if these remain the habits and the rhythms of my life, this is where my life is going to go. See, the reality is we rarely end up at the wrong place in life with one massively bad decision. Isn't that true? It's not one massively horrible decision. It takes us to where we do not want to be. It's one little step at a time. It's one day at a time. It's one little habit at a time. You know, Samson in the Old Testament, he goes to this place called Gaza and he sleeps with a prostitute. He sacrifices everything for something so stupid. The promise of God over his life, he just throws away. But do you realize that Gaza was 40 kilometers away from where he was? He had to walk that distance. That's 56,250 steps that he had to walk, one step at a time to get to a place where I say, this is not where I want to be. This is not who I want to be, but it's one step at a time. So here's a question again for us today. Think about this. Reflect on this. What were some of the things that you repeatedly did in 2020 that led you away from who God has called you to be? Just that question. Think about that just for a moment. What were some of the things that became habits, that became rhythms, some of the things that I repeatedly did in 2020 that led me one step at a time away from who God wants me to be? who God has made me to be, God has destined me to be. And I don't want you to feel condemned. You're feeling like, Joe, you're putting me on the spot here. Yes, I kind of drifted away in some areas of my life, but I want to assure you, you are not alone. I am there. We are there. Today is okay to say, I'm not okay. And even, guess what? The Apostle Paul, he wrote most of the New Testament. He's probably the most influential Christian, if not person, after Jesus in the history of mankind. And listen to what he said when he spoke about his journey with Jesus. He says, God brings new life into your, into your existence through Jesus. But sin wants to pull me in a different direction. And listen to how Paul wrestles in Romans 7. He says, for I do not understand what I'm doing. That's like 2020 in one verse. I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. Isn't that true? Skip to the end there. Verse 19, he says, For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. That feels literally like my lockdown summarized. God, I want to be with you. I want to connect with you. I want to read my Bible. I want to pray. I want to be with the people of God. I want to exercise. I want to eat right. I want to be with my kids. I want to do all those things, but I do not do any of those things. God, I do not want to go down this path. I don't want to engage with these things. I don't want to get you know stuck on these issues, but I do those things with so much joy. Can we just be honest and say that's what some of 2020 has ended up for us? The things I want to do, I don't. The things I don't want to do, I do. How is that possible? Guys, this week at our community groups, man, we had a raw and honest discussion with one another. We started our community group notes just with a question to say, if you could go back to your January 2020 self and just have a 10-minute conversation to prepare yourself for this year, what would you tell yourself? Man, it was great to hear just honesty. You do anything but what I did is basically what we all said, I think. And we just asked, listen, can we just be honest? Where are we with our faith and with the people of God? And we could honestly say, almost all of us, guess what? I don't feel I'm in a great space with God. I don't want to pray. I don't want to be at church I don't want to walk the path that God has given me. I want to give into my comforts. Man, church as a screen and a podcast is the best. (laughs) We said that. But the pattern that I just kept on picking up was so beautiful. We admitted. You know what? I can be honest. This is where I am at the moment. But secondly, I know this is not where I want to be. I know this is not who God has made me to be. And I know I do not want to stay there. I do not want to stay there. God, it's been 56,250 steps in a direction that I know this is not who you called me to be. This is not who I am. So I want to just challenge us. Lamentations 3 verse 40 says this. Let's examine and probe our ways. Let's take stock. And then what? And turn back to the Lord. And turn back to the Lord. Psalm 119 verse 59. I thought about my ways. I took stock with the Holy Spirit. And I turned my steps back to your decrees. Can I tell you once again, God the Father is so convinced of the work that He is going to do in your life. That yes, you maybe fell flat on your face. Yes, you maybe took 56,250 steps in a direction that doesn't represent who God has made you to be. But God says, my boy, I call you today today. Come back to me. It's not over. It's not over. The great testimony of your 2020 will not be where you ended up, but where God called you to. So can I ask you this? Last question that you need to go and ponder for today. In light then of the grace of God and just the reality of 2020, in light of those two things, what is the one thing that you need to start doing? And what's the one thing that you need to stop doing? That's very practical. And don't make it three things or nine things or even four things. Make it one thing. What's the one thing? As God says, my boy, come back to who I've made you to be. What's the one thing that you need to stop doing? What's the one thing that you need to start doing? And I just want to encourage you, just twofold, really briefly, that if we are going to say we become the things that we do, (laughs) we become those things we saw during lockdown, and God says, I want to call you into a new direction, I just want to challenge you with two things. Number one is don't give up too quickly. You're going to make a decision today, and you're going to say, God, I know this is who you've made me to be. If I'm in Jesus, if you're a Christian here today, and in Jesus, God has made you to be that. God, I'm going to stand into my calling, and this is where I'm going. I want to challenge you. Don't give up too quickly. It's because we think that, you know, small decisions in life actually have no bearing on our lives. Isn't that true? So some husband sits, and he plays like three hours of video games, and his wife doesn't leave him on the spot. She doesn't divorce him right then and there. So he's like, hey, I guess it doesn't make that much of a difference. Now, I skipped church just for one week, and my life literally doesn't, you know, set on fire that Monday morning. And I'm like, hey, I guess, I guess it's cool. It doesn't make that big of a difference. Or I literally eat a whole box of chocolates in the dark with, you know, Tiger King on, on Netflix during the lockdown. And that next morning, I look at myself in the mirror, and it's like, I can't see that much of a difference. So I guess it's fine. But it's not about that one little step. It's about the 56,250 steps. It makes a difference. So if you say, God, I know this is what I need to start doing. And I know that is what I need to stop doing. Don't give up. You are going to fall flat on your face a couple of times. It's the small, smart choices combined with consistency and time that will bring a change. That's why Paul says in Galatians 6, verse 9, let us not get tired of doing good. Friends, I got tired at times of doing good in this season. I got tired of listening to some things in people's lives. I got tired of saying, God, I want to try and come back to your heart for my family and my marriage. I got tired of that. And what I needed to hear was the Father saying, Come, my boy, I'm with you. I know who you are. Get up. Let's go again. Don't give up too quickly. And secondly, it's just this. Remember that my identity determines my activity. Or the opposite in this year. We could say activity is what affects my identity. I think we all experienced this vicious cycle this year of I will do something. Some doing led to some being that felt weird. Oh, my goodness. That just came out of my mouth. Oh, my goodness. That, I, I, just, I just burst like in anger toward this person. Oh, my goodness. I just like shouted at my colleague or doing was affected and being became something, and what then happens? And the enemy tells you when you do those things, oh, of course, because you, that's who you are. Yes, you are a failure. Yes, you are a subpar Christian. Yes, you are someone who thinks you're a, you know, you're a Christ follower, but you actually have a screw-up, you're a mess-up, and that affects my identity. And so then it becomes even easier to do some of those things, and that cycle just continued. We had activity affecting identity, and identity affecting activity. But I want to challenge us today to say the opposite is also true. That godly activity will challenge ungodly identity. Those parts of my life that God says, this is not who you are. When I say, God, will you lead me once again? It will challenge those parts of my life. A healthy identity enforces healthy activity and healthy activity enforces a healthy identity. So who are you in Christ? If you're a Jesus follower here today, you have to hear once again, even having fallen on your face this year, that you are forgiven. You are redeemed. You are the beloved of God. You are a conqueror by the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. You are the son and the daughter of the most high. That is your identity. And the father says, you know who you are. Now come my boy, let's go. What's the one thing that you need to stop and the one thing you need to start? So, Lastly, the last thing I think we need to hear in 2020 is yes, God is concerned about who we are becoming. But secondly, it's those habits. We become what we repeatedly do. But thirdly, just this encouragement, God has provided. He has provided life-giving habits that lead us to Jesus. God has given us life-giving habits that lead us to Jesus. So I want to make a suggestion. If you have not got something yet that you need to start doing, let me give you three options. Very, very simple. Dr. Caroline Leaf, thank you, Taiki, Christian and neuroscience. And she gives us three options with regard to how we affect new habits in our lives. And I want to connect them to not incredibly sexy and new, and it's all like different, you know, Christian things. What's the magic bullet that's going to turn my life around? I want to not give you that. I want to give you the three basic rhythms of grace that, like we said last year, has taken the church through 2,000 years of world wars and famines and persecution and economic collapse. People have, for centuries, found themselves restored and renewed in the Father because of these three very basic things. And what is it? It's the Bible, it's prayer, and it's the church. What a revelation! What is this newfangled thing, Joe, that you tell me about? It's the Word of God, it's the Spirit of God, and it's the people of God. Friends, if you take that seriously, you will not recognize yourself in five years' time. Because the fruit of your Father will just erupt from your life. So let me give you, take one of these three, and I've made them very specifically tangible. So let's think about the word of God. I would challenge each of us with this thing. Caroline Leaf says, there is a moment of weakness that we need to capture if we are to to break old habits. There's the moment, the moment you see the fridge, that's when something needs to happen. It's that moment where you experience that feeling of, I don't want to go to the gym. Isn't that true? Everyone's like, open the gyms, open the gyms. And then when the gyms open, everyone said, oh, I guess I have to go to the gym. So there's a moment we need to capture for new habits. So here's my habit for you in the Word of God scripture before phone. Scripture before phone. What's the first thing most of us, including myself, do in the morning when I open up my eyes? I roll over and I take that little flat demon into my hand and I'm just away for the next like couple of minutes. Isn't it true? It's that WhatsApp. It's that email. It's that, you know, who's going to, is it Trump? Is it Biden? What's going on? It's like, that's what we just fill ourselves with. And I want to challenge us. Get your Bible, whether it's on an iPad, whether it's on a paper, whether it's whatever, get that thing right next to your bed and roll over in the morning, grab that Bible, sit up straight and read the Word of God. Friends, if Netflix and my friends and social media and my phone and all the negative politics and news and everything I got sucked into in 2020 is going to shape my life. I'm going to see that 56,250 steps in a direction that I don't want to be. I need to hear the words of God over my life. I need to read once again the hope and the promises and the joy and the grace and the truth. Maybe that's yours. Well, you maybe grab one of you guys, say, man, that's what I need to do. For the rest of this year, I am going to have Scripture before phone. Maybe the last two. Maybe prayer. the Spirit of God. So many of our community groups on Wednesday just said, man, we have not been praying. We have lost our sense, our joy in praying. I don't know, even know how to pray anymore. I not sure how to speak to God anymore. It feels so abstract. Just pray. Caroline Leaf says, make it a tangible thing. Don't just make it up here. I'm going to pray. That's my commitment. No, you won't. Make it something that you can feel that's tangible. So I want to challenge you with this. Not just pray, but kneeling prayer for the next season. Maybe that should be yours. Not just pray, kneeling prayer. There's nothing magical that happens when you go down on your knees, but it's tangible. When I feel that the ground on my knees, something in my spirit says, yes, God, I want to connect with you. Either in the morning or in the evening. Some of you need to take up this one habit for the next season, four to five times a week. I'm just going to pray for 10 minutes. I'm just going to say, God, I want to hear your voice. I want your spirit to speak into my life, into my business, into my marriage, into my singleness, into my relationships. God, I'm here to be formed by you. And lastly, the people of God, the church. The Caroline Leaf says sometimes when you have to form a habit, you have to have an if-then statement in place. If this happens, then I will do that. If I feel that I don't want to go to the gym, I grab literally my tackies and I go to the gym. The moment that emotion comes, I grab my techies and I go. I want to tell us with the people of God that many of us, let's just be honest, we drifted away. Can we be honest with ourselves? We became comfortable saying, I will do this on my own. Guys, I can't be with the people of God. I just need to go and figure out my life a bit. You know how often I heard that in this lockdown? I just need to figure myself out, and then I will be back at church. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, and I said it many, many times. It's like the gym thing. I just need to go and lose a bit of weight, and then I'll go to the gym. That makes absolutely no sense. The people of God is what keeps me strong in this season. It's when I feel like, God, I just want to lie down here. I'm weak. I'm weak. I'm full of doubt. Then I see Taiki and Maya, and they are strong in that moment of faith, and it brings me hope. Then I see Barry, or I see Heinrich, or I see the Falkenbergs, and something of that challenges me. I need the people of God. So here's your if-then statement. Maybe for some of you, that's your thing that you need to say, I'm going to start doing this. If you experience that emotion of comfort, oh, you know, the church, oh, you know, it just feels like rain. There's like three drops of rain. You know, community group, but I have to wash my hair tonight. You know, this person wants to get coffee, but, you know, got things to do, that update I need to do. And the moment you feel that comfort issue or isolation, I just need to figure out my life on my own a bit. Or thirdly, shame. I can't be with the people of God because I think I'm a failure. The moment you experience that emotion, if, then I will immediately go to the people of God. If you, on a Sunday morning experience, I should not be here with the people, then immediately get in your car and drive. Even if it's seven o'clock, just get in your car and can sit out here and just join the crew for that morning and come immediately. If comfort, isolation, or shame comes, I will immediately choose the people of God. Friends, I want to tell you today that God is concerned with who you are becoming and He is a good Father. And he's taken note of all the 56,250 steps that we've taken. And he loves you. And he says, I've called you and I've chosen you. And it's not over. Come, my boy. Stand up. Let's go. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, I just pray this morning. I just think of the parable of the treasure in the field. God, I pray that for none of us this morning, you would be useful, you would be practical, or you would be a consideration, but that you would once again become beautiful to us. God, I want to be able to sell everything of value in my life to pursue you. And God, I pray that you would bring healing upon every heart this morning, every bit of shame every bit of isolation, every bit of comfort, God, that you would come and call us again to who we have been made to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Holy Spirit, have your way with us as we take stock, God. We want your love to guide us. Amen. Amen.